Hello, everybody. This is Mark Lewandowski. Welcome to Mind Your Business. Mind Your Business is all about building your personal capacity. Personal capacity is what is needed for you to grow in your career, make great decisions, and become a person of influence. So sit back and enjoy this content as I share with you insights and stories, examples, and personal challenges designed to do one thing, build your capacity to change your world. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Lewandowski with Mind Your Business. Today, as a part of our executive series, I've got an interview with a guy named Christopher Dininger. We call him CD or Chris Dininger. Chris is the president of Metalist RX. Now, for those of you who don't know what Metalist is, Metalist is a PBM. It's a pharmacy benefits manager. It's a company that does what we call real-time online adjudication of prescription benefits. It's a mouthful, but what they do is provide prescription drugs for people's health plans. CD, welcome. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm so glad. See, how long have you? When when did you start this company? How long ago have you been? How long have you been running this company? Uh, we're in our fifth year of processing claims for. Okay. Year, so yep. so you're about to wrap up year five. Correct. You've been super successful, and it's about that success that I want to ask you some questions. Is that going to be okay? That'd be great. Really, the thing I'm so excited about is I have watched your team grow, and you have done an amazing job building a really good team. So what I want to do today is talk about how you built that team. It's interesting because a lot of my listeners are small business or they're entrepreneurs, and they they start with just them as, as the primary employee, but then they've got to add talent. Right. You've done an amazing job using part-timers and interns to grow your business. Tell me, how, how have you used part-timers and interns to successfully grow a business that's this sophisticated? Yeah, well... Um not easily, but uh, it's been fun <laughs> yeah. along the way. Um, you know, I came from big corporate America in the pharmaceutical world. So, you know, when you gave the opportunity presented itself to, you know, start a startup PBM, um, you know, I jumped all over it. So I was able to bring over a lot of the leadership and coaching training I had from those days. But most importantly, the thing about starting with the model where it was myself and two part-time people only because we only had two clients. So, you know, that was basically it was needs-based to begin <laughs> with. But primarily, the thing about that is using those people as they grow with you during the company. I mean, they learn everything. I had to learn a lot. I mean, we did everything from A to Z, whether it was answering the phones, cleaning the bathrooms. I mean, those are kind of the things you do uh, when you have a small startup company. So, Did you ever worry in those early days that one of them would leave you just because it was a part-time job or an internship, and then you'd just be stuck trying to train a new one again? Sure. I was always in the back of my mind. Um, you know, the big thing with that is I think when you have um, that type of small um, business or entrepreneur deal where you're starting like that, there's so much teamwork and uh, as the leader, as the president, I was right there with them, learning and doing everything. So you build that kind of teamwork, loyalty all the way through the process. So I think that's huge in retention. Um, but our model works specifically in our industry as it relates to, um, we really looked at our schedule and 
covering claim activity and answering phones and helping out members we were doing it from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. so logically we had a you know needed some help at different times and a lot of these kids were started off as interns um, it just was a perfect schedule because they could go to school in the morning and come work in the afternoon or vice versa so it just it was one of those kind of perfect marriages of what we needed medalists starting out and what the part-time person or the intern could do and um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I mean, well, that's... Yeah, yeah now that I, yeah. I walk down your hallway now and I see there's Nick and there's Nolly and there's Johnny Mac and there's a whole bunch of people that started out as interns and now they're full-time. What is it that you looked for in a person that you said, okay, that's the person that I'm going to promote to full-time or that's the person I want to, as a full team member? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, first of all, you... you then the part-time person, I mean, you can tell right away if there's going to be loyalty to you because um, they haven't left, um, you know, or they didn't, um, you know, take another part-time job or those kind of things. But kind of what I already spoke to, I mean, how flexible they are um, in that it's not going to be a truly defined same job task every day. I mean, we, we do things, um, you know, it's not the same job every day for these guys. So I think that was part of the deal that helps with the retention and, and build their loyalty but you know having that flexibility to know that um one day you may be helping out with some reporting other days you may be looking at claims so those kind of things and then also uh, you know how coachable they are um those kind of things um just having open honest communication those kind of things um you know we're all going to mess up but when we talk about it, talk about the right way to handle a, a member interaction or whatever, um, you know, how they respond to that and those kind of things. It's you know, that, that whole generation of employees that you've got, I mean, the majority of your employees would be considered millennials. And millennials right. are known for looking around and trying to find another job, whatever is the next hottest thing or the coolest thing. Right. But you've been able to really keep these people because it truly looks like they love their job. Now, and it's kind of a, a phrase that you don't hear a whole lot within the millennial generation, but you're team really loves their job how did you build a team that loves what they do uh well first of all for uh, i think it's part of the the growth part of the company um so they've been all of them that have progressed from part-time or intern to part-time to full-time um you know they've been here so they feel ownership in what we're doing and when we're changing members lives or helping um you know companies save money in their prescription management stuff so they're part of that, and we share in the successes and in the failures and the challenges when they come up. So I think that environment um, creates that loving teamwork environment that helps retention but also helps uh, drive the company and those kind of things. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I've heard a lot about the fact that this young workforce, they really like to have a connection to something outside of work. Like, do you guys do anything where you're connected outside of just their blocking and tackling work processes that help build that loyalty with the team? Is that something you've considered? Is it something that you needed to, you've needed to do? Um, well, I think just naturally, uh, just my leadership style is always obviously take interest in people's lives outside oh, of yeah. work. So, I mean, those kind of things. So there's been some activities, whether there's some other, uh, you know, for one example, a couple of us went and played basketball together against some of the millennials over lunch, you know, those kind of things, those kind of activities that just build, they, they see that as leaders or as executives that you care about them and that you're just not putting them in front of a computer to make your company money, those kind of things. And I think that's not something you really just 
talk about. It's what they see in your actions and your behaviors. A lot of the young workforce really is um, drawn to these organizations to have flexible business time, but you don't have flexible business time. You've got to have coverage. Right. And it's not just a call center. These are very sophisticated phone calls that require a really well-trained person. So have you have you had to overcome any of the this desire with your team to have flexible workload, or is that something that has never been a problem for you? Um, I think it's always a challenge. I mean, some of that had to do with our early model of having interns and school people that were, um, you know, finishing their undergrads or even working on some graduate programs. I mean, you're always having to flip their schedule around from semester to semester and those kind of things. So we had to have a flexible work environment. But luckily, our model of having those, always having those people in the pipeline works out because we're able to, to make the schedule work. And then I think the other appealing part of this type of model is that they also see that as the company is growing, as there was would be a full-time position for them, um, yeah. you know, as they graduate and those kind of things, if they've, you know, spent their time here, earned their stripes, you know, those are just, it just kind of built a natural flow of uh, growth and loyalty and those kind of things. You've touched yeah. on a lot of things that are obviously a part of your culture, but you just used the word pipeline when you were talking about employees. And I noticed that your employees bring in their friends and they say, I really recommend this person. Now, sometimes that can be a slippery slope if you're bringing in the wrong ones, but it seems like they're recommending really good people. Tell me about that. You've you've, been lucky. You've you've done well with that. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to know. I mean, obviously we... As we were experiencing some growth, we did some of the, you know, agency and the normal uh, web-based application services that are out there, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of people looking for jobs. It's, it's very challenging to find somebody that would fit our environment. So, I mean, I think that uh, just through dialogue with them, I think with a little patience, uh, you know, usually the right person turns up. Um, and when you're talking about the pipeline, I mean, normally we bring somebody in in that part-time intern role. Um, gives us time to train them, but also gives them time to see if they like the job, progress into their school and those kind of things. And if things go well and as the company grows, then that turns into a full-time position. It's pretty nice that you have a major university literally next door. I mean, 100 yards away is a major university. It is nice, and yes, it helps. <laughs> you keep talking about the word environment, and that's yeah. just different nomenclature between you and I. And I, okay. I would use the word culture. So right. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your culture. What do you think is critical in, in your culture to create a, win, a winning team? What are the elements of your culture that have made has made you such a winning, successful business? Um, I think number one is just respect um, between all the employees and the team members, that they respect each other's background, their ability to perform the job, the ability, uh, you know, that they, um, that teamwork, how they share each other's responsibilities when things need to be covered or those kind of things that just builds trust um and then a high level of communication uh both positively and negatively i mean things don't always great every day uh most of the time they are but there's always going to be you know maybe an unhappy member or something that just pops up you know and it's just how is that handled and then we have a lot of uh staff meetings where we talk about, you know, the challenging items that have come up so everybody can learn from each other and those kind of things. But um, respect and trust, I guess. During that staff meeting, if you took a percentage of the amount of time talked, how much of the time do you talk versus your team talks during a staff meeting? Uh, Now, I would say 
I only talk about 20% of the time. Early <laughs> on, I probably talked, you know, more like 80%. But um, that's the beautiful part of the team that I have now is, um, you know, they have learned, uh, you know, all the steps. And, you know, now they're many CDs, you know, yeah. talking about drugs and how to handle different um, things that come up, copays, you know, those kind of things. It's a pretty good indicator of culture to determine what the distribution of conversation is. I mean, it right. really is. In, in the beginning of a company, you, the leader, are going to spend 90% of the time talking because everybody's sitting there looking like a deer in the headlights. Like, right. what, what is he talking about? And now you just kick off a topic and they just jump in and start having opinions about it? Yeah, well, opinions or solutions. Yeah, I mean, a solutions. lot of times because, you know, they're, like I said, uh, a lot of what, what these guys do as a team when they're uh, helping members with their prescription benefits, it, it may look the same, but there's always maybe a different little twist to it's a new indication or a new drug or there may be a new, uh, more cost-effective alternative. So do, can they apply it? So usually they have the solutions. Uh, you know, like you said, the 90% thing you just talked about, that kind of hit a light bulb for me. I mean... Early on, every, they'd run to me all the time with the solutions on these things. Now, the the team works it out, and they only bring you know the ones that they truly have you know issues with or those kind of things. So I mean that's just they're finding solutions together. The communication, I think they respect and trust each other, and that's the you know the culture that. So the big question in healthcare, which is the industry sector that you work in, is how scalable are you? How can you how can you take such a personal touch industry model that you've created to make it scalable? You know, the other day, I don't know if you know this, but the other day I brought a guest over to your offices that represents about 400,000 lives, about 110,000 families. Right. And Johnny Mack was there working the phone, and, and I had him talk to this prospect of mine and said, hey, this is Johnny Mack from Medalist, and, and uh, you know, their initial thought every time is, how do you make your scalable, your process scalable, mm-hmm. and how is that team scalable? Because you're really doing stuff outside of the norm of the industry. You're really doing some great things. Uh, talk to me about scalability within your team, about your staff. How do you yeah. make them scalable? Well, um, I mean, everybody's trainable to a certain point. I mean, those kind of things. But, I mean, the system is there. Um, so, I mean, there are, there's protocols and procedures in place that guide them through what they do so i mean that that there is some um technology involved in in what these guys do but the big thing is that because of the way the company was built and they all started with a very limited role and have grown grown all the way up through the ranks that they know all the different operational procedures and then when we bring people in when we scale they're all involved in each one of those steps in the training and those kind of things. So it's not that Johnny Mac just does one thing. Um, I mean, he does 80% of, you know, what could be done, you know, in that role or whatever. So, I mean, that does that make sense? Sure, yeah. sure. So, I mean, it's not that um, I'm not really hiring. Um, it's a position, you know, to be a member services representative to handle what we do with our every claim, everyday program. But... I mean, the process is there that it's it's very easily to scale um, with, um, you know, just with people. I mean, it doesn't take anything that there's no exact criteria like you need a, you know, have to have a pharmacy tech background. Does yeah. it help? Yes. Yeah, because you're really taking them from zero right. all the way through right. the training. And they've all done that. So, I mean, 
everybody that's on our team has gone through that same process of not knowing a lick about the PBM business. So I think that way it makes it, we can bring people in and they can get help and we can scale quickly that way. So, you know, I'm going to throw a little bonus. I'm, I'm so pleased that we've talked about, you know, like your, your hiring philosophy, your team building, because that's really what you're known for. And, and is your organization scalable? But I've watched you in the field um, and you close a lot of business. You can sell. You, you've been a salesman all your life working with Big Pharma and now running this company and you're still the, the person out that's most important in closing a piece of business. What's the key in today's world to getting people to trust you in closing business? Well, I mean, obviously they have to believe, I mean, the integrity part, piece of that. Um, I, I don't know what the easy answer is to that, but I mean, um, and at this point we've, We've had some people that have trusted what our model has done, and now we've got the results. So, I mean, when you show them results of wh- how your program does help people, yeah, I mean, just the, in- the integrity part of that. I don't know. It's kind of hard to put words. Yeah, you know, I've known you a long time. I struggle with words sometimes. I've known you a long time, and the other day I was telling you, I said, you know, Chris, you do such an amazing job at what you do, but you know what you're terrible at? Telling people. And I said, bragging about yourself, telling people about what you do. So, you know, the real push is now in order to grow, you've got to step outside of your norm and actually uh, almost brag about what you do or what your team has done. Right. No, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think about stepping outside of your comfort zone? I mean, what are some things that you've really had to work on to step outside of your comfort zone in order to be well, being, become the executive being that you are Being on a podcast now? is not in my wheelhouse. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I promised you a beer. I forgot about yeah, that no, part. I mean, yeah, no. But, um, I mean, the biggest thing is, uh, yeah, being able to, you know, obviously being a little more uh, aggressive with, uh, not being afraid to fail and not always being okay. conservative on you know those kind of things where my slow steady approach works well but it also um, can be pushed along a little bit faster and it could advance that growth curve um, wow that was really well put because yeah. I know you are very conservative very cautious very strategic very disciplined in right. your approaches and you're in an industry that's going 100 miles an hour right it's a very fast moving fast paced cutthroat industry it is um, but uh, I think it really doesn't change if you're selling gadgets, high-tech drugs, cars, or whatever. I mean, I truly believe that uh, it's still a human-to-human business industry. And when people meet with you, and if obviously it's kind of cliche, but some of the networking relationship stuff. But, I mean, you build trust with people. And, I mean, there's been proposals where we, we've just come back and told the client that you're doing fine. You know, you don't need to switch to us because the PBM they have right now, you know. So those kind of integrity type deals where that stuff uh, makes a difference over time. You just have to, yeah. Chris, I'd like to thank you so much for being stepping outside of your comfort zone yeah. and being part of this podcast. I know that that's not really who you are and you don't really like to brag. That's why we really wanted to focus on you bragging about your team. Right. I know you'll brag all day long about your people. This is Mark Lewandowski with the Executive Series at Mind Your Business saying to all of you, thank you very much for taking time to listen. Chris, thank you so much. Very much appreciate your knowledge and your time and your ability to communicate with this team out there in the field. I appreciate it. And you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mind Your Business. 
please check me out on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to send me a message if there's something you need or want me to talk about. You know, the great motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, you can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. What does that mean for you today? That means if there's something in this content that is exciting and really resonates with you, pass it along to your friends. Share it. Let them develop and become strong in their thinking, in their motivation, in their knowledge, just like you are. Together, knowledgeable you and your friends will change the world.